Hey everyone, welcome back to Engage Cast, a podcast about all things marketing. First of all, a very happy Diwali to you all. I'm sure the preparation is happening in a full swing and you're eagerly waiting to burst crackers on the DJ. So let us also recharge your weekly marketing quota with today's pop of episode. We are hosting a very special guest today, Daman Deep Singh Soni, a startup growth consultant. Daman Deep has worked with Mobiquick as head of marketing in the past. and he has also been with line messenger as their india head he was also the chief marketing officer of apac for chinese unicorn vcash daman is based out of gurgaon and the interesting part is a good part of his day revolves around consulting and helping startups on their growth strategy today he will be taking us through a lot of insight coupled with strategies on how to build a growth funnel from scratch especially for fintech businesses Daman will be talking to us about the nitty-gritty of user journey map in fintech businesses. How difficult was it to get users to transact online? How to overcome user engagement and retention challenges faced in the payment space? How to combine tech and marketing to form a rocket ship of growth? And what route should today's marketers take to build a full funnel approach? This episode has been hosted by Avlesh Singh, co-founder and CEO of WebEngage. Avlesh and Daman are ready to bring you some profound understanding of the retention world. So let's dive in. Hi Daman, absolutely delighted to have you on board. Uh, thank you Avlesh, super fun talking to you again. Looking forward to uh, to an exciting uh, one hour or half an hour, <laughs> depending on the questions you ask. We'll keep it short and sweet. Absolutely, very cool. Uh, Daman, uh, why don't we just go ahead? Uh, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience, and then we can uh, get started with our questions. Sure, sure. So I'm uh, mainly been in the whole startup space for the last ten years, uh, helping various companies uh, grow, uh, Line, Mobiquick, uh, WeCash, and by virtue of that, I've uh, been uh, heavily a part of this whole series of evolution of uh, marketing automation and how uh, we can grow the entire funnel. I like to call myself more like a dhandewala marketer. <laughs> a person who says um, if i spend 1 rupee what's the roi on that from day 1 right sure that's a great person to be uh, especially if you're a person on the pnl nothing nothing absolutely like it daman you know given your very extensive experience across uh, i think very different kinds of businesses and this is one question that you know entrepreneurs they they struggle what does it take to launch an app in this country which which has a mass appeal how do how do how should founders and early teams be thinking about that problem statement uh that's a very interesting question uh this answer to this question has evolved over the time let me give an example when we launched line messenger in india mm-hmm. uh back in 2012 the challenge put forth to me was uh, get me a million users in, right. in in the first month absolutely uh we got 3 million users in the first month mm-hmm. using only one medium and that was google why because there was hardly anyone bidding for any inventory at that point in time correct today if uh, a founder comes and says can we use google to get 3 million users in the first 6 months it's going to break the bank right wow. because the number of apps on the app store have increased by the thousands uh, discovery has become an issue so while you're launching an app and while you're thinking about how do i get my first set of users i think it's very important to first focus on the product market fit Sure. Before you go out and uh, try to do anything new or spend a lot of money, I think that whole process of discovery and figuring out what your user actually wants and how far is it from the hypothesis with which you started the company. These are two important things that you need to figure out. Sure. And it's there's no easy answer for this. It's a painstaking yeah. Yeah. process. 
you start your business thinking that i'm going to solve this particular problem but the market responds in a very different way that's right and then you go through a series of uh, pivots and you go through a series of uh, adjustments to finally figure out what the product market fit looks like and that's when you start on the good journey understood to to which i think i have a follow on question i think this this moniker of product market fit it all boils down to you know what is that right stage of the product and your market presence when you say you're now ready is there is there a ballpark definition especially when it comes to fintech um and you know uh, fintech apps which probably has a mass appeal mm-hmm. are there any sort of relevant uh, benchmarks which you could share from your experience okay so so fintech uh, is a very overarching umbrella uh, today when we talk about fintech we talk mainly about uh, the stuff in the popular media is mainly payments that's right and uh, secondary uh, use case is lending correct but uh, fintech uh, also goes right through uh, smes and uh, the new banks are coming up so let's talk about some of the metrics which uh, i saw from the payments perspective and we'll mm-hmm. talk about lending too mm-hmm. so from the payments perspective we saw that uh, the users are actually liking our app and using it for what it was meant to be when they would first start loading money into the wallet yep and and then starting to explore the use cases that was when we figured out okay mm-hmm. we've developed adequate use cases within the app so that the users can start using it and contrary to what you read a lot in the papers qr code wasn't the uh, the aha moment right it was a simple prepaid recharge which people used to consume the money uh, in the wallet yeah. i think that's what gave us a good indication that okay fine we've got some hooks within the app so now let's try to figure out what else can we build into it and what we can scale up but talking purely from the metrics point of view Mm-hmm. i think some of the the finger in the air see uh, uh, estimates are how many referrals are coming in how many people are coming in just by word of mouth by virtue of the power users recommending you we did early nps and when we the moment we saw more than 30% users saying that okay uh, our life would be a bit different we did have this app we said okay fine we got something going nice. i think that was the thing which helped us define okay now let's start building a full full fledged uh, uh, you know platform is getting a million users still a challenge getting a million users for your uh, for your let's say payments app payments ke liye yes payments has become a very big boy game right now because payments ke liye you need a big ecosystem and today if you just launch with one or two use cases folks are not going to uh, enjoy using your app sure uh, also with upi coming in there needs to be a, a core differentiator with what you present frankly the user experience between one app to the other is not that different uh, as no. we look at it today what is different is the discoverability of cashbacks <laughs> and don't get me started on that one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> in fact at mobi quick we shut down cashbacks a long time ago yeah so uh, payments as a use case i think is a very difficult use case for any new player to get into it right now you need to have at least 100 million dollars in your bank before you want you want to embark on that journey but having said that there are plenty of other use cases in fintech which are a uh, far wide open right from lending getting solutions for the sme doing neo banking that tons of others which can uh, offer entrepreneurs opportunity. understood okay so you know thanks to paytm and the likes uh, there's been um, massive adoption and uh, you know it's become mainstream at least fintech and payments is a thing now in your own um, experience davan how have you seen this evolution on the on the user behavior happen in the last 3 4 years okay so uh, let's talk a bit about that when we like uh, let's 
start of when we found the product market fit and we uh, started the journey we found some very interesting trend in the users for example we found out that initially for the first one month a user typically tries to recharge their phone or, uh, or their colleagues phones first two to three times and once they have done that that's when they go on to doing a utility payment it was only after that happened that and i'm talking for the 80% 80 85% of the users only after they've done three recharges and a utility payment would they go on to then use the wallet for uh, an online transaction or an offline transaction so that's how it started off at that point in time having said that today two years down uh, when the market's pretty educated about what payment app is UPI has made its impact in India and there are four dominant uh, players in India with its payments. Today, a new user coming onto, plat- onto the platform while recharge is primary use case, right. but travel booking on, for example, trains or even shopping is quite common. Right. We don't see a lot of user acquisition happening from the offline uh, for, mm-hmm. the lo- for scanning the QR code uh, at this point in time. Right. But... Uh, it's usually people who will again do a recharge and then go and, and then get onto QR code. So mentally for me, the model is a recharge is like a user acquisition strategy right. for you. And that's why you see most of the cashbacks that the payment apps are going about with is once a, a user has transacted with the primary use cases, then the possibilities are endless because sure. all these players are now evolving into platforms and you're layering it with different uh, financial services. We're layering it with different uh, offline services. So, uh, then each, each user kind of takes part over there. Very insightful, actually very insightful. So you're saying recharge is basically an entry or is a customer acquisition, uh, model for, for most, uh, uh, fintech slash payment applications yeah i mean you don't make much money out of, also out of it sure, because sure. uh i mean the, the the margins are wafer thin and you Excellent. layer that up with cashbacks and yeah. then also with the marketing cost so it's more of a hook that gets the users onto the platform i get it so you know basis basis what you've seen is it safe to say that in our journey of fintech adoption in the country we are at fintech 2.0 that's still further down the line so when it comes to wallets and transactions Mm-hmm. I think given that we have UPI and the whole India stack uh, in place, I think India is by far one of the most advanced in uh, creating the fintech infra right. uh, on a country basis. Mm-hmm. But in terms of user adoption, I think we, we still have a distance to go. It's not only by virtue of people coming onto the platform, but we are also a massively underbanked uh, country. That's we right. are also a country, mm-hmm. if we take the denominator of 1.3 billion, sure. I mean, everything is in single digit percentages so the use cases are just going to evolve and the adoption in the coming years is going to go way beyond what we see in the current day i mean there's going to be a lot of p2p payments coming in i mean once whatsapp lights up i think we'll see a whole new level of adoption coming in Uh, the likes of google they've they've played an important role sure you're going to realize one thing uh, currently on the payment side let's talk Mm -hmm. again the three biggest platforms barring google it's uh, paytm amazon and phone pay each one of them has a tentpole product, which yeah. they can latch on to for yeah. the user to transact on. That's correct. Uh, Amazon has, Amazon Pay has Amazon, Phone Pay has Flipkart, Vintrajabong, and uh, Paytm has Paytm Mall, and a bunch of other things. So a lot of users that they acquire, they tend to lead them onto their platform and transact over there. But yeah. going beyond the platform has been a challenge for everyone. And they're all trying, uh, they're different, uh, they have the marketing strategies and go-to-market strategies. But going forward, if you look at any use case, for example, for example, buying mutual funds, mm-hmm. 
we are severely under uh, underpredated as compared to the developing countries in terms of access to credit again there's a there's a whole lot of uh, access available over, uh, over there so it's it's day zero for us so okay okay last bit on the fintech space in general and evolution i wanted to get your uh, views on how smbs the the small medium uh, sized businesses how active of role are they playing in the adoption is it evolving and what is the headroom that you see there okay so let's uh, take this question from a two sided play mm-hmm. one is there is a lot of consumer pull today for smbs to uh, adopt fintech and digital payments okay and, uh, and a whole lot of stuff like that so uh, a user today walks up to a store and says that i don't have change i want to pay using a wallet yep if, uh, uh, if a kirana store doesn't have uh, a qr code there is a dissonance created in the user's mind that's correct uh, secondly in uh, uh, even in small b2b payments uh, we are seeing uh, real time payments is uh, something which a lot of uh, companies want you deliver a service or you deliver the goods people want the payment as soon as possible so they want mm-hmm. the receipt to to hit their their upi app immediately sure. they don't want a, a 60 day payment cycle and again the fintech rails currently created are pretty awesome in doing that other than that in terms of solving problems for the smb now let's come to the the, mm-hmm. the core problem that the the business has beyond the consumer there is a lot of organization that that the smb is looking for Okay. Sure. For example, going beyond the pure play khata, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of companies have evolved around that. Yeah. A lot of companies have evolved around uh, filing of uh, taxes and returns. Right. Uh, these are all stuff which SMBs are looking for. Not only that, uh, uh, a lot of SMBs also want all their order taking to be on a self serve basis, mm-hmm. which is very contrary to what we've heard about India, right? That's we right. want that the people should come and sell to us. But uh, now, folks, because a lot of efficiencies are building to the system, a lot of productivity is built, being built into the whole environment. Time to market and speed to execution are causing SMBs to develop self-serve platforms for other for other businesses who want to consume their goods and services. For yeah. example, ordering. I mean, you see what Udan is doing, right? Sure. Uh, they've automated a whole lot of the value chain. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at a lot of the distributor community serving the fast-moving consumer goods or the consumer durables. a lot of them have gone on to automation right. both in terms of delivery of goods and also in in, in receipt of payment yep. uh my sense is that since the market is so fragmented and so diverse we are going to see a whole lot of saas based solutions coming out for smbs mm-hmm. in the coming days and in terms of how they're going to evolve is is anyone's guess i mean i don't see a mothership platform coming and like salesforce coming in india and just taking everything end to end i see That's a lot right. of smaller platforms coming in <clears throat> with point solutions and then in the next decade moving on to something far bigger so sure. that's a great way to put it very quick uh, views uh, from you on um, you know india being india uh, so many languages uh, so many so many regions are there are there any specific geographical patterns in terms of adoption uh, and in terms of growth that you that you saw in all these years are there certain territories that have led this wave continue to lead the momentum or are there certain you know that are sort of shaping up getting to the next level okay so uh, i've had the wonderful opportunity to launch multiple products in india from from scratch mm-hmm. uh, some of them practically starting uh, out of a small room so uh, there's one thing that stuck throughout technology dissemination in india always starts from the metros goes to tier 1 and then to the tier 2 cities sure. typically 
बी इट मैसेजिंग एप्स बी इट पेमेंट्स और फिनटेक अडोप्शन I'm coming to that now. Of late, what we've seen is a lot of tier two solutions coming onto the market, which mm-hmm. cater to Bharat. Let me put it that way. The reason that has happened is we've gone beyond the language barrier now. I mean, it's not necessary for a person to be able to read. I mean, mm-hmm. video has played a very important role in this whole thing. Sure. So I think that has made sure that a lot of these uh, solutions have come over there. Mm-hmm. Secondly, now. if you see it's a, it's become a perfect storm uh, in the last couple of years with the india stack coming up and other being used for uh, authentication now it's become easier for entrepreneurs to start launching from a tier 2 tier 3 city mm-hmm. without incurring the cost what was required of them at an earlier point in time right. uh, something as simple as kic would cost them a lot now there is there is a whole industry around uh, regulatory tech who is enabling a lot of this authentication Correct. by virtue of exposing them through apis Sure. So now we are seeing a lot of tier two first uh, solutions <clears throat> coming onto the market. Hmm. Having said that, if you look at it from a human perspective, there is trust in these consumers because they've seen success stories happening in similar arenas in the tier one cities again. Right. While we said access to credit is something which could be enabled online, there was still a lot of resistance till the time people started hearing a lot of stories that uh, people are able to get a loan over a phone. Correct. Uh, uh, in Bombay and Delhi. Yeah. Earlier there was uh, that whole distrust has gone from it, right. and now if you see tier two, tier three have become like the pillars of growth. I sure. mean, you can just go after those geographies and can create a big brand which can be a unicorn by itself. Fair point. So metros followed by tier one, followed by tier two, continues to be the strategy. Yeah, I think <laughs> for now. Okay. All cool. What is a typical user journey, uh, Daman? For a fintech app, which basically revolves around transactions, payments, wallets, how does a user journey typically look like? How does a life cycle look like? Okay, uh, so we'll go beyond the discovery of the the solution. Uh, I mean, once you communicate the value proposition, let's assume the users researched and discovered you and sure. uh, downloaded your app. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's so uh, let's talk about payments again okay since uh, that's the flavor of the month around 50% of the users who download the app so uh, let's talk <coughs> about payments since uh, that is a huge mass adoption we usually see a 50% just under 50% drop mm-hmm. from install to registration in a typical user wow and and that's a big thing because uh, and i i kind of attribute that to people downloading the app just to discover what it is because there's a whole lot of uh, folks who are just coming onto the platform even today and and they and your app is ranked in the top 10 they tend to download and see whether it's useful to them or not sure. uh, sometimes it also happens that uh, the language is a deterrent at that point right. in time and right. we've seen that uh, often times beyond that people adding money to the wallet Mm-hmm. sees another 30% drop this wow. is uh, these are uh, numbers which are by virtue of being in the industry for a long time sure no and that's, I, i think so and these are absolute numbers uh, i would uh, i would assume so 50% of users will abandon and this is a typical uh, you know fintech uh, app story in the country 50% people will abandon uh, right from the moment they install until until they activate and uh, that activation could be via registration maybe and yeah. uh, from what i heard you saying there is another 20% who will drop until they get to the next step of uh, uh, logically using the product uh, you know either by recharging uh, their wallets or using using some form of payment 
Yeah, I mean, people who registered out of that 30 percent will uh, will disappear again. Of yeah. the ones that I have registered. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. The ones. So 30 percent of the remaining 50 percent. Yeah, yeah. Which is up in okay. So in absolute numbers, 15 percent. Yeah, you're saying so 65 percent yeah. are gone by the time they are active users on a platform. Correct. That is the uh, the reality. Right. And. Post that, so uh, there are some interesting metrics that we saw. I mean, I'll not say the exact uh, metrics that we saw at MobiQuick. So also what we uh, saw in uh, the payments app, besides us losing nearly 65% of the users by the time they start transacting, is uh, as a marketeer, I wanted to retain the users that are there left with me, right? And some of the insights that we had was if the user transacts more than four times in a month, the probability of churn reduces uh, by under 5%. Two under five percent. Wow. So as a marketer, my job was to make sure that the user does the first transaction, discovers new use cases, make them transact the first two to three times just on recharge, and then yeah. open up all the other use cases for them. Amazing. Using notifications and all the other channels that I have. Sure. And uh, that was one of the way for us to get him past the first barrier to say from getting them to churn. Also, uh, because the competition is so intense mm-hmm. and Loyalty per se in India is not that strong for a particular product. And uh, it's not like in the US where everyone started using Apple and Apple it is. Uh, either people like to experiment with newer apps. They want to see what's in it for them. Yeah. And so there's a lot of window shopping that goes around. Correct. So uh, I wouldn't, uh, So we had to run a lot of reactivation campaigns. In fact, right. we used to track reactivations on a daily basis. Wow. They were reactivation targets for uh, one of my team members also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is not just reactivation in terms of app opens, but reactivating transacting users that nice. we used to track pretty, yeah. uh, pretty closely. So which would then ultimately, given the new users, existing users, reactivation users, that would collectively lead us to the North Star metric that we were tracking at that point. Very interesting. Very interesting, in fact. Um, and I, I do have specific questions on each one of these. Uh, okay. But before I get to that, Daman, um, the 65% users who, I mean, let's call them lost for now, mm-hmm. uh, people who downloaded but could never get to an active user state mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to bring and convert some of these guys into your active user funnel? So definitely, yeah. I mean... Um... Once a user comes onto my platform, hmm. <laughs> so there are various signals avail- available for you, right? As long as you have the right SDKs on the app, hmm. you can retarget this user on any of the, uh, the networks that you choose, that you choose. Sure. You can, uh, uh, retarget them on Facebook or you can retarget them on, uh, on Google given the state at which they've exited the system. So that's something we did very actively. Uh, besides that, uh, if someone's uninstalled the app, we use the marketing automation platform to make sure that we set, we send them a, uh, an SMS campaign or at least, uh, D, uh, from D zero to D seven from, from when he's uninstalled to try to get him back, uh, onto the platform. Sure. And, uh, obviously the, the more the distance increases from the time that he's uninstalled, Absolutely. Uh, the, the less the probability of him, uh, coming back. Any ballpark conversion rate, Daman, for all the campaigns and all these activities that you did uh, to bring users back, uh, just from a ballpark number so that, uh, you know, the viewers could benchmark their own uh, performance. What would a number be to go for in, in terms of being able to convert some of this dead base into active user base? 
Okay, so let's divide the database into two. Mm -hmm. Okay, one is people who come onto the platform and exited uh, before even transacting. Understood. And second is people who've transacted on your platform, used it for at least uh, uh, 30 days, sure. and then exited. Understood. So uh, in the former, people who've just left you without even uh, even using you, I think if you can hit a 5% return on them, 5% okay. uh, of them returning and coming and activating on you, you're good. Sure. Because uh, in all probability, they've either, uh, uh, they were either just window shopping for you mm -hmm. and, and saw that they liked the logo, whatever, liked the TV campaign and, uh, and downloaded you. Mm -hmm. Or uh, second, they downloaded and the product market fit was not there or they were looking for something else and, sure. uh, and they've exited. Sure. In terms of people who transacted on your platform and who've left you, mm -hmm. okay, uh, I would say over a period of the next 90 days, if you can inch anywhere close to eight or nine percent, you're sure. good. Okay. Uh, because uh, there are multiple cases out here, right? Uh, and uh, sometimes it also happens that the user has completely left your platform because of a dissonance issue. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's been a customer service issue, and people are just uh, just dropped off. Then to get him back or her back, uh, there's a better way to do that also, other than using SMS, uh, email, and notifications. I can also get calling done, but that becomes very expensive for me as a business to uh, deploy that for the scale that I'm operating on. Right. Uh, in early stages, yeah, calling does form an important part of that, and I can inch, uh, inch close to even 15 percent when I get calling in. Interesting. Uh, but I mean, it's very difficult for a person to say no to a human than to just swipe an, a swipe a, a notification away. Right. Those are the numbers that we're uh, the, the, that we're talking about. But obviously, from business to business, uh, uh, it kind of varies. Understood. Understood. Insightful and very helpful. And I'm assuming that the conversion window that you're going after for for almost this dead uh, user base is no longer than a 30 day period. If you're not able to convert in that much time, are there still probability that you would? So we would uh, spend some money till up to 60 days okay. uh, for them. Uh, and on desperate days, when we wanted to meet our targets, we would even go up to 90 days. <laughs> we, don't, we don't tell our bosses <laughs> that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, after 30 days, uh, uh, it, it becomes a futile effort to really a... go after that person. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. One very specific question, Daman, around uh, personalization. Yeah. And I know that the word gets abused a lot. In, you know, in context of uh, payments and um, uh, fintech app, how deep is the, the personalization as a stack in terms of user experience? Both in terms of, you know, how the native experience of using the app is, uh, as well as, you know, how, do, how far down the line do you go uh, when it comes to personalizing your campaigns? Oh, so uh, personalization is not a feature per se. Mm -hmm. It is a part of the core product. That's sure. the way I see it. Sure. Uh, just because you have a million users on the product doesn't mean you just keep dropping, into, dropping them into two or three big segments. Mm -hmm. Okay. While uh, segmenting the users is an important part, but personalization also helps on multiple facets. For example, uh, we could anticipate when the person's uh, next uh, bill cycle is for uh, for an electricity payment. Correct. Not only would we prompt him with notification, we would also hit the API of the service provider mm -hmm. and fetch the bill amount and pre-populate it in the notification. Right. So that all the person has to do is two clicks and done. Sure. Now imagine if I'm, instead of doing this, I just send a notification saying that pay your BSES bill, he clicks and then he has to look at his bill which is another in another app and then enter an amount. Yeah. 
yep. as opposed to me saying it's time to submit your electricity bill right. you know so uh, and if you compare various payments app various payment apps you'll see the difference the subtle differences over there right besides that uh, there is a lot of native personalization that also plays uh, mm-hmm. uh, plays a role mm-hmm. uh, i think paytm does some of that pretty well it kind of pulls up uh, all the last transacted categories right up front for you next time when you open the app right so so it it reduces your search time sure. you know go in transact get out so that also plays a lot of very important part in that right. people kind of think that personalization is required mainly only for an e-commerce app or for a or for a you know a content app people have to right. give netflix as an example sure but there is an immense amount of personalization that goes on in the uh, in the fintech arena too uh, for example when i'm creating a credit product mm-hmm. for a user right that is personalized for that particular place and this is not just by virtue of uh, me knowing uh, this is what his credit score is and i can lend him up to 90000 so i'll lend him up to 90000 right uh, i will give the user two or three options mm-hmm. you want 10000 or you want 20000 or you want 90000 mm-hmm. right and uh, so that the user works is uh, all the way up to 90000 rather than just show him a daunting figure Sure. And this not only nudges the user, it also gets builds a lot of a little bit of amount of trust in the platform. Where fintech scores, as opposed to a bank, mm-hmm. uh, is when you walk into a bank, you are thrown the 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 top three things that the person needs to sell. Sure. Right. They'll try to sell you a ULEP or they'll try to sell you an FD and and so on and so forth. Yeah. With a fintech platform, I kind of know some of the things that you want to do before you enter the app. Okay, I know these are the top five use cases that you've used my app for. I kind of know that you've searched for a, a certain amount of items, right. so I can put all those uh, f- uh, features and products right right up front for you to uh, for you to uh, figure out. Sure. Even for marketing campaigns, for example, uh, in Mobiquick we had uh, banners as a real estate. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, each campaign manager would put a weightage to the banner for a particular segment. Mm-hmm. and uh, so this is not going like for exact uh, personal level personalization but now segmented personalization right people who uh, would like to buy uh, fashion or would like to buy food so they would see those kind of deals right up front and the third banner for them would be like an irctc or something like that right uh, so so those are the kind of things that we would we would do very interesting very interesting you know contrary to uh, i've been meaning to ask you this so contrary to you know most app experiences that we see um, uh, at web engage and generally or otherwise even from my personal experience right a netflix by design is to get you to spend a lot more time right uh, mm-hmm. the idea is to just keep you inside netflix I, I, is it very challenging uh, you know your your job of actually retaining or throwing more at the user when the primary use case is about getting the work done and get out i i, I totally get where you're coming from at uh, mobiquick uh, one of the biggest statement we used to at least hear once a day is our competition is with cash <laughs> I, the user has to be able to pull out the phone and and make a payment before he can pull out cash and pay yeah right so while payment apps are a transactional platform uh, i've seen a lot of stuff being done in terms of putting games and putting uh, you know uh, videos into it and stuff right. like that right. but if you're evolving into a super app then that's a different story altogether but if you are a pure play transaction app then that kind of comes off as gimmicky yeah uh with the user yeah. not every apps uh notstar is amount of time spent on the app uh, a lot of apps 
uh, we measure on the least amount of time in which you can transact and get out. Do we really do that? Is is that is that is that a common thing? Is there a metric so, called how less a user has spent time on the app? I would say how less time it takes for the user to transact. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, that's what I look at, and uh, that's what we keep building also for right. Uh, if you're building a search as a function on the app, yeah. we want to make sure that we're getting the right search results sure. uh, right up front. So if you look at a payments apps app session, typically less than 15% of the users would do two transactions on one session, sure. right? Sure. So that kind of answers what I'm trying to say, where a person wants to get onto the app, transact and yes. get out. Correct. Okay. The primary use case is to transact. The secondary use case for the user is to see if the transaction is successful slash look at what the balance is yeah. or how much he has on the bank. Yeah. So that's what it is. Another uh, use case that has evolved these days is checking up your bank balance mm-hmm. on payment apps. Does it does it increase every time I check? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with your company and the kind of business you're doing, I'm sure it is. Sure. <laughs> you would like to believe so. <laughs> so yeah, we are figuring out some very nice edge edge cases what folks are using uh, payments app uh, payment apps for, and um, I think uh, those are also eye openers for us. Uh, in fact, uh, we also uh, pushed checking your bank balance right onto the first screen and we saw an immense amount of clicks on that wow. uh, uh, by users. I mean, there's some sort of safety that people see in looking at their money, I believe. So yeah. I think that's what they're trying to do. But so these are the kind of engagement that I'd like to build. That's awesome. You know, that's a, that's a great rather thing. than putting spin the wheel kind of a thing on a payment app. <laughs> I love that spin the wheel. I never spin it. Um, all right. So, you know, I, I just wanted to get your take some of the answers and some of the insights you were sharing mm-hmm. uh, with respect to personalization, mm-hmm. engagement and user journeys. Uh, the same set of things that we discussed in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do, how do these, the same nuances, they compare vis-a-vis, let's say, a lending app as mm-hmm. compared to a typical transactional app? When okay. you switch over to lending, how do some of these change the month? Okay, so lending is a completely different paradigm. Mm-hmm. In, in transactions, we're trying to, usually put it this way, we give cash back so that people transact, right? In lending, we, in lending, we're already giving the money. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. In lending, you're in the business of collecting the money. That's right. Uh, so that's yeah, giving, the core. Giving first and then collecting. Sure. Exactly. So, so that's the core business. So whenever we are in a lending scenario, the first question we ask is, will this guy pay back? Yeah. Okay. And how much do we lend him to pay back? And how much for what time period do we lend him? Right. Uh, so that uh, uh, this person pays. So, uh, Lending is a very need-based thing. Okay, mm-hmm. now uh, in lending, uh, getting the guy engaged is very crucial because, like as you said, right? Uh, as a pay- payments app, okay, fine, I'll have fifteen different use cases. But in lending, I, I go, I get my money, and I get on with life. Right. So uh, let me let me give you a paradigm. So the larger the loan, the less interaction I have with my payment with the lending partners. If I take a home loan. Yeah. Like 30, 40 lakhs. I'll probably talk next to my bank after a year, probably when the interest rates are dropped. If they're not, I'll probably talk to them after two years. Sure. If, I've, if I've bought a car, I'll probably try to do prepayment every three months or, uh, or every five months. If I keep shortening the loan amount, I want to keep interacting more and more with the app. Right. Okay. Let's get it to the extreme other end. Let's say I'm doing a payday loan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where I'm giving you 15 days advance on what I believe mm-hmm. your salary is. Right. Okay. Now for the next 15 days, 
this person is going to open up my app at least once or twice sure. right to say okay fine this is the amount do i think i'll have it back on the first or is there any way for me to up, you know uh, get more money out of it right now when the person opens the app every 10 days or 15 days this is an opportunity for me to tell them about what else i can do for them sure okay uh, in terms of what are the features i have what are the products i have how i can do something because at the end of the day if you look at it on the core level the product is one right i'm yeah. i'm i'm giving money that's my uh, uh, that's my raw material uh, so for a from a from a lender point of view what we try to do is engage the user with uh, uh, a lot of stuff around why lending is okay yeah. why they can look at credit as fulfilling some of the dreams that they have and engaging them around content like this right. but it's very different from what we do on a transacting thing because in lending i cannot give him an i can't say hey there's a new car why don't you take an additional 30 lakhs and you know uh, uh, and buy the car but what i can say is that prepay your loan faster mm-hmm. and we'll give you a larger credit the the next time around understood and uh, also what happens is before the payment date i start my reminders five days before that sure okay uh, if the ec is not set up and stuff like that so you know it's 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 very engaging in the sense around the transaction Understood. rather than talking about very softer stuff and it's a much longer cycle for you to engage as opposed to very short cycles here in in the in the payments exactly because uh, frankly my relationship in a payments app while it is strong with the user but uh, in the lending scenario the user sees the relationship stronger from their side yeah right because they've taken money from you they feel that they need to give the money back absolutely very insightful thanks daman so if i had to ask you uh, especially now continuing on the same retention track what are the top 3 big retention problem statement that someone should absolutely solve for uh, when they are setting up setting up their payments app or setting up their fintech app what are the top 3 things especially when it comes to retention that they should solve for on day one okay so let's start from the basics to the more complex thing the first thing is funnel visualization Sure. I think a lot of startups today they have a very iffy view of what their funnel looks like. Yep. And a funnel is a very concrete number. True. You know there are it, you cannot say between thirty to forty percent. It's either thirty or forty percent. Right. So one is funnel visualization is uh, is is very important. Mm-hmm. Second is the north star metric that the startup is moving towards. Sure. At every stage of the company, the north star metric kind of evolves. Yeah. So, what is the North Star metric, and uh, how is your user moving through the funnel onto the uh, onto the North Star metric? The third is how am I nudging the user right through the funnel onto the North Star to to fulfill my North Star metric? Yeah. So, this is very important. While the first thing is talks about analytics, yeah. that's the second thing talks about the goal, the right. third thing talks about the journey, right. and and how you implement this journey this in the notification and an in app, but. you need to figure out what is the send time optimization what is the channel optimization for a user what does he like to hear yeah. i think that is very critical because you know how it works right i send more communication and the user just uninstalls my app and it's like right. this guy is just bugging me too much every channel is kind of of reaching saturation right we remember we at the start we spoke about google being a channel for user acquisition put yeah. a note there's there's a whole notification jam on your phone yeah. or often than not cube started silencing a lot of apps So that you don't send you notifications. You don't want to fall into that category. Right. Okay, it's a very thin line. Yeah. 
and there are different ways to do that also you can start categorizing your notifications into different categories so the user can shut off all you know a marketing campaigns but all the necessary stuff that they can that they want to be notified on that they can go on with that so i think these are the three things the the funnel the goal and the journey very aptly put sure and goals right i talk to marketers all the time at any point of time right uh, as as far as your retention stack or growth stack is concerned taman uh, are you are you basically optimizing for multiple goals or across across different teams uh, or uh, is it is it always that everybody should go after this one goal so here's how it boils down okay let let me give you how i kind of organize my teams mm-hmm. uh, how i organize my growth teams let's take a very concrete example so that your listeners can get an idea of how we did it in a fintech firm sure. at moviquick we i i used to be judged on three parameters mm-hmm. more users more usage gmb right okay so number of users transacting how many times they are transacting in a month and what's the total share of wallet that i have sure fair enough now this used to be split up into uh, the different members of the growth team right from uh, acquisition activation retention referral revenue all the every guy had a different kpi for them for example the acquisition person we didn't even remember what the cpi price was mm-hmm. what we remembered was is what is the cost of first payment sure that is the cost of the first time the person loads his wallet sure the person who was looking at retention was only judged on cohorts sure that is transacting cohorts and value cohorts is this is this a re- repeat usage so this is repeat usage okay. right uh, a user coming in how many users are continuing with you on week 1 week 2 week 3 sure. and what is the value that they are transacting on week 1 week 2 week okay so that's what uh, this person was judged on then the people who are responsible for gmb mm-hmm. these guys were the negotiators these guys would work with every uh, merchant partner that we had on the platform to see how we can co promote for example someone working with somato would say you know what uh, i'll do something around cashbacks you're doing a newspaper ad why don't you put uh, mobiquick as a preferred partner we would talk to mintra saying that okay you know we are doing something here why don't you put us something uh, on the product page why don't you showcase us so these guys are the guys who are making sure that uh, our platform becomes the preferred platform for payment at the merchant partner uh, at that point in time so then the fourth aspect of this whole team are the set of people who work across product and data okay now these are the guys who need to make sure that the funnel keeps getting tighter and tighter and uh, all the other teams who are looking to fulfill their kpis they get the right product interventions and product hacks to make sure that that's improving in a better way okay 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 uh, fair point um very specific question especially with respect to the channels uh, the marketing uh, retention marketing channels are there any uh, uh, outliers uh, the man that you saw where uh, no brainers uh, or or did you discover channels in that due process something which is not very obvious or intuitive but you know ultimately worked out for you well uh, we found a lot of discoveries but now that we look at it So what happens is you discover a new channel, you you get that aha moment, and then that becomes stable. <laughs> and then you space. abuse it. <laughs> yeah, then you abuse it. For example, the in-app channel. Yeah. Uh, based on a trigger, that worked pretty well for us. Nice. Uh, for example, uh, if a, uh, a user has not transacted for the last three days, or last one week, sorry, that was what we did, and mm-hmm. he's uh, lighted up the app again. Mm-hmm. we would show him the last two or three transaction that is done and if he wants to do any of those repeat transactions interesting interesting so that really helped us but again you know uh, you start using this and you're like ha enough chala do and 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 that worked 
really well for us. Right. So uh, we also used uh, our product feed to feed into Facebook for retargeting. That worked very well for us. Okay. Uh, a number of times when a person would go shopping for uh, credit uh, yeah. on the MobiQuick app, and then we he dropped off, we would retarget them back again on Facebook to make sure that they get uh, they get an idea of a value proposition, and then we can tell them the whole story, right, using a carousel and a, a, a and a video, which in an app. Kind of a journey. It was uh, pretty difficult. Oh, uh, what I've seen is uh, one of the big use cases that I've seen elaborating on that is when a person is coming onto your app to do a particular thing, mm -hmm. okay, and is discovering, they form an opinion about what they can do with it. But if you retarget them using an external channel, I think you can tell a much larger story in a 15 second. Earth. That's and right. I think that is something which some of the marketers have now started to realize that this is a big, this is a very good re-engagement medium for me to get back to them. That's correct. So, uh, for example, some of these channels uh, may not be the best channels for user acquisition, but they are exceptional channels for getting the user back to finish back what he was trying to do. So retargeting, right? I, I think that's what I'm hearing. It actually yeah. works very well. Yeah. Yeah. And is Facebook the only medium uh, you, you would do it or, uh, or there are other possible uh, avenues to, to venture into? So an, uh, another medium which has really worked very well for us in the past is WhatsApp. Mm. Uh, WhatsApp as a channel uh, has worked wonderfully, frankly, because uh, SMS as a channel has been finished. Right? True. No one reads SMS uh, uh, anymore. Unless it's, an, unless it's an OTP. Yeah, unless an OTP, that will be self-read. That's, cool. That's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, SMS has kind of become this channel where you know there's going to be noise or uh, there's going to be this transactional SMSs. Right. So WhatsApp, although it's an expensive channel, but we use it very sparingly with stellar results. Uh, in fact, uh, here's an interesting use case, which uh, Facebook has sh shut down. So uh, earlier you could run a Facebook ad in mm -hmm. which the landing page was WhatsApp. It would open oh. a WhatsApp. Now oh. they stopped that. They stopped that a couple of months ago. How could the landing page be a WhatsApp? It just opens WhatsApp. It just opens, it, it, it opens up uh, WhatsApp and then you, then you start uh, interacting with the user. So this was something which really worked for us with people who registered and not done anything with us. Sure. And uh, we could guide them that boss, you know, this is what you can do and uh, give us uh, <laughs> this much data and then, you know, we can the get on with Indian Jogad. Facebook yeah, cut it down, is it? <laughs> but now what Facebook has done, they stopped WhatsApp, but you can do uh, messenger ads. But messenger, as you know, India may not use. Nahi so, you know, getting new channels is also very contextual and specific yeah. to a lot of countries, a lot of conditions. So we keep discovering new channels every day. Awesome. That's... That's very cool. The WhatsApp hack was awesome. Um, all right. Coming back to the teams uh, that you were talking about, would love to sort of get a more detailed overview, especially with respect to growth teams, right? Uh, the ones that are responsible for bringing the same customer again and again. Uh, so at a very high level, I think uh, you, you, are, you, you mentioned this very categorically that your repeat transaction cohort, both in terms of value and in terms of absolute numbers, is what would determine the success for, for such a team and, and aptly so. What I would like to get a, a first-hand view from you, Daman, is on a day-to-day -day basis, what are these folks doing? What are the kind of skill sets are you looking at to hire such people? And how, how do you sort of, you know, uh, see them evolving? What is the ramp-up plan for such a team? What are they exactly doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Okay, it's really nice that you asked this question because I talk a lot about building uh, marketing teams and how to drive growth. Absolutely. So I'm this of this firm believe that we need to develop full stack marketers today. 
True. Okay, that is pe- people who have uh, studs in one or two channels or yeah. one or two areas yeah. and have a decent understanding of what all the other channels do. Right. Okay, and uh, there's a way that I go about creating this whole culture. It's more mm-hmm. about creating a culture than seeing one or two people. So let me give you some examples. Uh, I've always built a spirit of experimentation. Uh, if you're driving growth, you need to be running at least 10 experiments a day. That's and right. with experiments comes failure. True. Okay. So to be able to enable people to run experiments, you have to remove the fear of failure. That's right. okay. My team needs to know without fail that I got their back. Yeah. So the way I appraise all my team members is your experiment. If you are not coming out with experiments, then the appraisal gets screwed. Failure has no uh, semblance on your appraisal at all. Right. So this gets to people. This gets people to experiment. Sure. Now, just being a full stack marketer is not enough. Like I said, you know, I gave you the example that we are doing retargeting and then we are going to Facebook and we are getting WhatsApp opened up is another channel. Such kind of ideas can only come by cross pollinating ideas. Yeah. So what happens is uh, every month when we do a marketing review, one person presents the whole review. So a social media manager will have to also present what the SEM person is doing. This builds empathy yeah. between the team members. And this also gets the person feeling it. Neither the, the SEO guy will think all the organic traffic is coming because of me. <laughs> and the social media that's just doing, you know, softer engagement. So this builds empathy between the teams yeah. and brings a lot of ideas that comes together. Because uh, a social media manager may not know how I can do something which can help uh, get me a, a SEO leverage. And experiments like these are what helps us drive growth. And so when I'm recruiting folks, it's mainly learnability and attitude what I'm, I'm, I'm recruiting for with a specialization in, in one area. Okay. It's not much to ask for, but if you see two of these things are attitude points and one of them is a specialist point. Right. Uh, and this is what helps me build a, a big team. And there's a bit of an ulterior, ulterior motive in all this that one month when, uh, when one person goes for a chutti, I mean, there is someone to... <laughs> Someone, else someone who knows about that a little, right. uh, and you know, things don't fall apart because in a startup, yeah. you're not, uh, uh, you're not hiring for having a lot of backups in the team. Yeah. The resources are low. And so one man, one job, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think these, this is the cultural aspect that I typically build a team with. And so by virtue of this, the team becomes very thick and growth becomes a common target. Understood. Understood. Okay. All right. Um, to an extension to that, especially when it comes to when it comes to user engagement retention uh, you yourself mentioned it's very it's it's almost imperative that the person responsible for this job is very good with data right uh, has the ability to see through data find where the gaps are and then work towards fulfilling those yeah in your experience daman um, have you is it is it easy to find that one person or this continues to be um, multiple different people with different skill set trying to solve something together problem. So getting to work with data is table stakes. Anyone making it to a good growth team hmm. really needs to be good at data, which means needs to be able to understand what a SQL structure looks like mm-hmm. and should be really beautiful with Excel. So we have this Excel exam in our team where... Oh. After all the culture interview and everything, we give the person an excellent interview. There's an excellent interview. Yeah, there's an excellent interview. 
Awesome. Uh, because obviously we can't expose them to a database. So what we typically do is the format in which the raw data is now downloaded. We give them that data and we say, okay, now these are 10 exercises, go through it. Wow. And the fun part is we don't assess the person on whether he's got the answer right, but mm-hmm. we assess on how his analytical process is. Right. So this is a more of an observation exam. One person right. sits in the room and sees, okay, how is he going and breaking down the problem? Right. Because the rest all, everything can be taught, right? I don't need the person to know how to do a VLOOKUP and then do a, a pivot on top of that. Sure. So, uh, so coming to data, the data analytics is something which are table stakes. Yep. No growth team is complete without a data analytics team or a data science team backing them up. Right. And I think a lot of folks like you have baked a lot of that into the platform already. So it helps us yep. to a certain extent. But uh, a lot of uh, the data science team, uh, heavy lifting is also done by the analytics team uh, within the office. And the marketing team, the teams that I've built in the past have had a very good uh, working relationship with the data team because the cost of making a mistake is very high. Uh, So remember when you said visualizing the funnel, one of the big things that I've I've seen in in every company that I've seen is the funnel that you see in the database versus the funnel that you see in the marketing automation platform or the funnel that you see in the attribution platform. They're never the same. Are never the same. Right. My aim is to get them as close as possible because the marketer will always create a campaign based on the CRM or the, right. or the analytics platform. That's right. And whatever the database funnel is, is it is, is, it is not relevant for this person. Points are coming in the right direction. I need to get this funnel as close to that. Absolutely. And, and to which I have a follow on and, and this is something I see a lot of people struggle, you know, uh, a lot of, in fact, web engaged customers also trying to figure this early in the life cycle uh, seems like a very Herculean task. Knowing that for a retention stack to be in place, I mean, there are many things that have to come together, right? Data is where it starts. There are many, many parties to it. Uh, there is, of course, marketing teams. There are product teams responsible and charged with the with the task. And then there is tech team, which has to be involved to make all of this work. It's It's been a nightmare seeing a lot of my own customers uh, cruise through this, uh, you know, because it just seems like a maze you cannot, you cannot navigate. And uh, sometimes I, I've seen marketing teams do substandard job of what they're supposed to, because the data, right, uh, that, that was required for them to be uh, highly efficient and highly effective wasn't even there in the CRM platform, as you mentioned. Yeah. How do you advise companies? You know, most of the times people are blind spotted. They don't even know this is a problem. Correct. It's, 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 it's an unknown unknown. It's an unknown. Uh, error. Absolutely. How do you advise people to do this right? What is the right way of basically adopting a CRM? Okay. So one of the principal things that I've seen, so I've implemented CRMs in over, I think six companies now. Mm-hmm. So there are two or three main things that are here. One is our data bar. Chale jayega. Like, no, <laughs> their business is to make sure that your data stays safe. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that I hear is, no, tech has already built a notification <laughs> engine. Okay. So, and our database is pure. That's where it, everything is like. So my way of introducing a CRM platform is typically that a marketer cannot ask the right question of the tech team. Yeah. A marketer works on visualization. Right. Typically, that's what the skill set that they come with. Sure. If the marketer doesn't get enough visualization and a turnaround time. Your campaigns are never going to go live. So my, my not star question is how much time does it take you to think of a campaign and take it live? The answer is never less than 24 hours. Yeah. And now my next question is how about if I bring that down to five minutes, right? Absolutely. I see a funnel, I see a segment, I click on it. I say, create campaign. I choose my channel and I get on with it. Right. Okay. That is one thing. The second is, uh, 
whenever uh, a tech team is developing a notification engine they typically uh, stop to the point of notification deliver hua ke nahi correct the attribution is is broken down yep. uh, is broken to a very large extent yeah and again it comes to that fact you know i've seen my ad on google facebook and i click on a notification whether attributed there no true so uh, uh, crm platforms also you know uh, solve attribution to a certain extent sure so and that again helps you save a lot of money Yep. right uh, uh, at the end of the day so these are some of the conversations that i have with founders uh, telling them that that's how to introduce a crm platform the trick that has really worked for me is get a crm platform in get the javascript in in a number of places mm-hmm. and throw up the graph on a tv <laughs> in a common area <laughs> and see it improve and uh, no and nothing gets a founder uh, excited saying that okay sir this is real time data that i'm seeing that number of people how they're moving to the funnel and i think you guys also do a phenomenal job on that front and i think that really gets them excited and uh, then that whole thing comes ki aur dekho you know what else can be done interesting good way to put it across i think uh, you're absolutely right data out in the open uh, there's no better truth than than that yeah yeah all right daman uh, i'm not going to take too much of your time uh, i'm supposed to be asking you this quick uh, five questions Okay. And uh, we can answer uh, the you know in the same quick manner. Okay. So if you were not a marketing professional, what or who would you be? I would have been a coder. <laughs> you, you you would have been a developer. Yeah, I would have been a developer. <laughs> that life sucks, Daman. <laughs> I know, but okay. that is what I used to love doing for a very long time. Well, I used Writing to do that moons ago. Yeah. All right. Top three marketing tools. Uh, you just cannot live without. You cannot live without an attribution tech mm-hmm. tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot uh, live without an analytics tool. Sure. And I cannot live without a marketing automation tool. Okay, good to hear. This is my favorite. What's your uh, What's your dream job? My dream job. Oh man, I I haven't th- thought of that. I'll tell you what my I I know I can't name a company per se, but I'll tell you what my dream job will help me do. Mm-hmm. My dream job will help me build a rocket ship. Awesome. Uh, really scale a company uh, rapidly. I mean, nothing gives me more happiness than driving growth. that's so awesome to hear i wish every company had uh, marketers like yourself uh, we would be building unicorns day in day out all right but which is the last book that you've read oh man uh, actually i read a very interesting book it's called blitz scaling oh beautiful my one of my it's, favorites it's, a, it's an awesome book and i i, I i've actually read that uh, to a number of folks before that i read a book called cheap fast and viral which is written by my good pal Okay. I'll read that. Okay. I'll 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 keep it in my to in my read list. All right. Last question. Uh, what's your uh, favorite quote? What's my favorite quote? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the all the, these ones are very embarrassing because you're generally not prepared. You don't have ready answers, but that's the trick. <laughs> oh man. I I can't think of one for the life of me right now. Blanked out. I'm actually blanked out. <laughs> All right, no worries. Last question. Uh, the man has to close this out. What's your What's your advice for uh, fellow marketers? Okay. Uh, uh, there's one advice I can I can definitely uh, you know um, share with everyone is that the lines are blurring between tech and marketing yep. for a marketer today. I mean, uh, while storytelling and building a brand is pretty important. but a marketer needs to get tech aligned today there's a lot of stuff that tech can help you do yep. and while you tell your story tech really enables it and delivers it in a far more uh, efficient fashion right. besides that today you can personalize the story to every user i think sure. nothing uh, helps you to do that 
uh, more than tech does. Besides that, there's one more thing I really want to say is strive to build stellar teams. Do not box folks in just doing a single job because uh, that just doesn't add value to a person's life. And if you want to build new CMOs, and that's what I I'm fundamentally think every team member in mine in my team can become a CMO. I try to expose them to as many facets of marketing as possible. Tech meets marketing. That's that's what our holy grail is. Yeah. And I wish I wish that for every company, every team, every marketer. Thank you so much, Naman. This this was very helpful. I look forward to host you in another episode of Engage Cast uh, to bring more insights for our uh, listeners. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks, Avlesh. Great talking to you, man. Always. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay, man. Take care. Bye. So that brings us to the close of episode number nine of Engage Cast. Thank you so much for being an amazing listener. We hope you like this episode. If not already, please tell your colleagues, friends, families, or acquaintances about this podcast. If you found this episode interesting, do share it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We promise to bring you more such insightful and deep discussion on engagement and retention in the next episode. Till then, enjoy your Diwali. Happy Diwali once again from all of us at Engage Cast.